Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. I am Jerry. Joining me on this lovely Monday, we've got we've got Terry and Thomas and Paul. Uh, we we are rolling four deep, which is uh, you know it's the way I like to go to the club. Uh, just kidding, I don't even know where a club is. So guys, uh, let's. We, we all know this could go pretty negative pretty quickly. So for, for the podcast people, we'll keep this light in the beginning, all right? We're going to talk about what we're watching and not even mention football for a little while. Just a lovely vacation in your brains. So, so let's start with, you know, let's start with Thomas. Thomas, what have you been watching lately, uh, buddy? Just, just the U.S. office for like the 50th time. I've, I've watched it so many times now. I'm like, uh, as soon as I'm finished, I just seem to start it all over again. But because I can never really get into much else, I was watching Waterloo Road for a bit because that came out on BBC iPlay. You probably don't know what that is, Jerry, but uh, I, no. I, do, you, do, you, do you know what it is? Waterloo Road? No. No? Oh, oh wow. So much to tell you. It was basically just about the school, and basically, it was just, it just kicked off every episode, and it went on for like 10 seasons too long. But you know, it's a bit like trashy British TV that I like to watch. But I'm basically done with that now, so I'm back on The Office again. <laughs> trashy British TV. Sometimes a little a little <laughs> trashy TV is, is nice. You know, it's it's cleansing. You know, you, you get out all the all, all all your pop culture instincts in one one go. It's kinda kinda nice. Uh so what did you just say it's called Watley Road? Waterloo Road. Waterloo Road, okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm gonna find a way to watch one episode just to see. Just I want to see how how much I can judge you, Thomas. It's a, it's um, so the <laughs> I don't want you to think. I don't want you to watch that and think all schools here are like that. It's pretty much the the bottom tier of all schools in the country. But you know, it's it's just you know you just enjoy watching this sometimes because it's rubbish. But you know, it's a, it's got some cool storylines. You know. Nice. All right. All right. Cool. So, Paul, you you mentioned something you were watching earlier as well. Uh, are you are you free to talk about this? Are you are you are you comfortable admitting? Yeah, no problem. Um, I've only seen like three episodes, <laughs> and you know I'm I'm probably gonna keep watching um, a show on Netflix called Glow. About Glow. What does Glow stand for, Paul? I don't know. <laughs> I, be- I believe uh, Terry knows. I'm yeah, almost isn't certain. it gorgeous ladies of wrestling or something like that? <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's... the guy from. Is he from Breaking Bad? I've, I've never seen Breaking Bad. No, no. His name's oh. Mark Marin. That's who you're talking he's, yeah, about. Yeah, he's right? like the, yeah, the, the main, main guy. guy, like the sleazy director, TV producer sort of like guy who kind yeah. of gets all these like out of work actresses in LA in the 80s and kind of makes like a sleaze women's wrestling promotion out of it. <laughs> it's just, it's been on Netflix for a long time and it's always turns up in my recommended. And I just thought, you know what, I'll give it a watch. And it's a bit over the top and it's a bit camp, but it's made me laugh, so I'm going to stick with it. And I've also been watching... The, Mark Marin, the guy you're talking about, is yeah, really good. He He's a really good stand-up comedian. And when he acts, it's just... It's funny to me, because I'm used to him being, like, this great stand-up comedian. And then I see him, like, acting. And it always throws me off when some, some of those folks do that. But you're right. It's pretty... It's a strange strange little show. It's all right, though. It's good for, for a laugh here or there. Yeah. You're right. And I've been watching some classic British classics again. 
um, like the Mighty Boosh and the IT crowd. Ooh. And I forgot. I, I have. I forgot ugh. how great a character Douglas from the IT crowd is. A Douglas yes. Renum? That Matt Berry? Yeah. Yeah. The world's best voice. He's, that's the greatest thing he's ever been in. Do you watch that? Do you watch that? Okay, I have I have seen a lot of good Matt Berry stuff though. I'm a huge fan of Dark Place. Yeah. If you ever watched oh, that right show, yeah. that is the best thing ever made. Dark Place. It's so good. There's a guy. Thomas, have you ever heard of that show? No. Oh mate, there's a guy in my work who looks like Garth Marenghi, and I always like nobody <laughs> knows what it is. Like, it's so good. It's the best thing. It's the best British comedy that no one's ever heard of. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It's fantastic. It's like a. I heard about it. I heard about it at film school, and it's the perfect place to hear about it because it's all the stuff you don't want to do in like a film or a show, <laughs> Thomas. It's like it's everything bad. Like any the worst way you could possibly make a show, and and this is what does. This is how they do it. It's I'm fantastic. just googling it now. I'll have to watch it later. It's a. Um... The opening. The opening credit sequence is the first thing you need to see. It's it does like a flip over the. Yes. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it's uh, it was on Channel Four, so it will be on like four on demand. Um, it's a in style. It's a precursor to the Mighty Boosh. It's that's it, similar sort of vibe, not as um, serious Mighty Boosh in the sense, but it's got a lot of the same actors, and it's um, it's that's a realist type of comedy. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, uh, that one watched it. I mean, they even mess up little like technical things. Like when you when you do video, you want the eyes to be in like the upper third. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they'll put like the eyes like with like all this headroom and not even like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like such a weird like film nerd Jedi joke. Old it is at so... the camera like as he's with his lines. <laughs> yeah. In one second, he'll have like they'll cut to him and he'll have a shovel, and then it comes back to him and he's got a cup. <laughs> you know, then he got the shovel, then he's got the cup. Like they use different takes. Oh my gosh, so good. Richie Iwadi's character is not meant to be an actor, is he? So he keeps looking at the camera, or he's like standing too far away from people. And there's like always bits like where the, the narrating like a spooky scene. It's like a cat walked across my path, and you just see this pair of hands throw a cat into the hallway rather than it walk yes. across it's just oh it's fantastic I, I haven't thought about that for so long and the first he's thing I'm going to do when I finish recording is watch that show when he's given I'm so excited that you guys have cigarette and the big fair hat <laughs> like okay. he's, a, he's a eccentric actor type <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's such a fantastic show and the thing is like you can't for the longest time here you couldn't find it on DVD like I couldn't oh, find it anywhere okay. So the only way I could watch it is to go to YouTube. It's a real it's gem, I could watch isn't it? it? Like a real diamond yeah. in the rough. So yeah, Thomas, just remember when you're watching it, it's supposed to be awful. And what's really funny is I heard the reason it got cancelled was because it cost too much money to make. <laughs> it cost them too much money to make the worst show in the world. I have no idea. It's like they did it on purpose. Oh, man, what a weird... That's a hilarious, ironic ending to that. Well, it I came out only two years after I was born, so I don't know what two-year-old Thomas was doing then, but I uh, probably should have seen that. What? Oh, I remember watching that about, like, 12, and it was um, 
it was on after it was Thomas. it was on after Spaced and um, Black Books. It was on at the same like Friday nights. It was like wow, what yeah, a lineup! on Channel Four on Fridays at that time was just fantastic. Wow. Spaced, Oh my and then, god! And then Garth Marenghi. It may, may have been a different order or whatever. They were all out at the same time. It may have even been a similar, um, either the same or a similar like studio that made it. So, yes, yeah, company. I have watched every single one, every all of the episodes of all of those shows. I love all of them. I, oh, I didn't want to make a point. I don't want to talk about anything. Just to stay, tell everyone they came out in two thousand and four. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to talk about Amazon now, guys? Uh, Thanks. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is awful. Oh, I'm so excited talking comedy with y'all. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's get to something even more absurd now. Yeah, yeah, even hilariouser, because that's a word now. We've we've brought we've made that a word. Uh for for podcast people, um yeah, I'm going to tell you what this Everton podcast will be bringing you today. Uh we have to re- we have to discuss the uh the the farce that happened on Saturday. So it'll be a Norwich uh, extra time uh, where we'll do a match review of what happened on Saturday. And then we're going to talk about the manager managerial situation at Everton. Rumors fly every five minutes on Twitter. You'll see a new rumor coming through. Um, yeah, Bruce Arena is going to be the new manager at Everton. No, no, that's one I haven't heard yet. Yet. Because it's just the rumor mill, you know? My... My brother's sister's former roommate works at Fred Finch Farm, you know, and that's that's how this works. So anyway, we'll talk about the managerial situation, what's going on with that, and then we'll have a quiz between those three gentlemen. It will not be me taking a quiz. We're going to hear some correct answers. So that's that's what we're going for here. I I, fu- I function a little a little more comfortably as a, as a host, and, I'm, and seeing Paul makes me think I need to study. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into this extra time review. Uh, can I? I want to start with Paul because I, I think this will be funny. Paul, what went right on Saturday? Um, <laughs> tell me something went guy, right. Give me, give me some positive the juju guy right now. The bar at half time had an awesome costume. Did he? What it was, was like, it? Do you know, I don't one get of these to see things that. that guys wear on like stag do's, bachelor parties. It's like it looks like he's sitting on somebody's shoulders, but he's not like around the waist. Yeah, oh, yeah. type thing. You could see like the legs flop. It was like a leprechaun. It was. I think it was like an Irish supporters club that had come over. He do a cover from Ireland, and he had Fellaini wig on, and he had the um, like costume around his waist. So it made it look like he was sitting on a, on a leprechaun's shoulders, and he was just having a blast. The guy, but he. And he how was his mobility to be able to actually good you know i mean he didn't i don't know if you know what hit the bar is yeah yeah he came yeah, pretty close yeah. like he had three shots and he all three times he came within a whisker of catching it so he clearly been practicing it wasn't like he was bambi on ice or anything and that, that <laughs> all right so the harry thing that was that, that was pretty oh, yeah. cool as well I, I sit in the lower gladders that was really nice to see but other than those two things, I can't really think of anything. So, for those of you who missed the match, Paul's little summary should give you a hint um, of how of how things went down. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll continue with you, Paul, because that was sort of an unfair question. 
Uh, so uh, let, let's talk about if you're if you're Silva. How would you have done that differently? How would you have started that differently? Um, well, you know, it's it's easy to be clever after the fact, but the team was just too slow. There was not enough pace in the side. I, I don't know why a Wobie came out for Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson's been very poor all season. Uh, a Wobie made a difference when he came on. In his last few get times, he's come off the bench. And we knew Norwich, a team that is just going to sit compact, going to look to counter when they can. Not, we're not going to be playing through them. I, if you're going to have any success in their final third, you need to be stretching them around. You need to be creating space for players like Richarlison and Walcott. And Sigurdsson's not going to do that. So I, I don't know what his thinking was playing Sigurdsson as number 10. And again, I, I don't know what, what was going through his mind when he decided to make no changes at all at half-time. It was clear that the tactics were not working. He brought Awobi on, I think, like nine minutes into the second half. And he, he was getting stripped before that Norwich scored their first goal. He was getting ready to come on while it was still nil-nil, seven or eight minutes into the second half. I, I just don't see the point of that. If you're going to make a change, then make the change at half-time. Why make the why make the change less than ten minutes into the second half with the game still level? It just it, it really okay. reeked of a guy who was overthinking. Really, a guy who second guessed himself. It seemed like he'd sat on sat in the changing room thinking, "Do I change it? Do I not change it?" And no, okay, I won't change it. And then barely a few minutes of the second half's gone by, and he's decided to change it. It just it didn't inspire confidence at all. All right, so you. Uh... Very similar tack that uh, that I was that I took when I thought about this. Um, I know when we recorded the show last week, we were talking about what we feel like the starting eleven is going to be, and I think uh, you know we were thinking that it, they were not going to change anybody from the previous game, and that's exactly what happened. Except for Terry, who was pretending this was football manager for some reason. Uh, <laughs> Confusion, worlds colliding. Uh, but, my uh, team, really, shouldn't he? You know. <laughs> but I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, uh, Paul. Though I I feel like if we were wanting a little more multi-faceted attack that was going to be less predictable, uh, throwing a Wobi in at that at that ten may have been the way to go. That's what I would have done differently. Um, Thomas. Um, what do you feel like you were most disappointed in in that in that particular match? Was there a, was it a particular tactical uh, shift that Silva made or didn't make, or was it in a player? Or what do you think? Probably the centre backs. I thought Mina and Holgate had an absolute shocker for both the goals. To be honest, I mean, Puki easily outstrength Thierry Mina, which is not something we really come to expect. And then for their second goal, who knows what was going on there with Sigurdsson flying in, playing a through ball into this lad that I've never even heard of, and then he scored like. I thought the two centre-backs really let themselves down. I mean, the whole team was poor. And obviously, it's easy to go to Morgan Schneider, but you know, as I said last time I was on, I'm not disappointed by him. It's just what I've come to expect. But Yerry Mina, it, you, we've come to expect him to be so much stronger and so much better defensively. And Holgate, we know, has been questionable at times, but he's improved so well in the past few weeks. His form's been so good. In this game, they just kind of seem to crumble. Like Norwich didn't make that many brilliant chances, but... like. The, the chances they did make, they were so avoidable by the defence. Like, I was looking at um, David's kind of thread on it that he did on Twitter. Like, the organisation of the back line, it was like Sidibe was trying to play an offside trap. Who knows where Lucas Dinier was? And then the two centre backs, I don't really know what they were doing. So, probably the most disappointing because I've kind of, 
I've kind of come to expect everyone else being bad in the past, the past few weeks or so, but the two centre-backs who've kind of been the bright spot for most of the season were, were poor for most of the game, I thought. All right, so you are pointing to the centre-back pairing as being a specific, your biggest disappointment from Saturday. Uh, Terry, your turn, my friend. You've been patient, sitting, sitting there with all this stuff to say. Uh, uh, you, uh, your your biggest disappointment. Where where do you feel like, where do you feel like either Silva or the players went wrong, and where you know your your biggest peak of anger and agitation. Um, it was clear that the changes were being made at half time. The first half we were lucky to be nil nil. Um, Norwich had a couple of chances in the first half where they should have scored. There was one, I think there was one where Pickford bailed us out after they'd gone through on goal. Um, the, I think it was supposed to three on one against Jerry Mina or something like that. It was unbelievable. But um, the lineup, it was just. I know they beat Southampton, but let's be honest, they tried their best not to beat Southampton with the performance after they come out the second half. But Morgan Schneiderlin is is awful. He 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 never passes forward. He doesn't know how to pass forward, and he he's like he's playing walking football. But we've got to play him because we've got. Th- three injuries to central midfield. We don't have to play Tosin. We don't have to play Sigurdsson. You can't play all three of them at the same time. It's too slow. And honestly, a couple of ch- if we start that game with Calvert-Lewin maybe up front or Keane, but let's just say Calvert-Lewin rather than go off in another direction. But play a Wobie in the 10. There's a lot more, lot more movement, a lot more pace, a lot more everything in the team. If you look across that team as well, it's just it shows the problem is bigger than the situation right now. And we're going to touch on the managers in the next segment, but I think it's bigger than the manager. That team had players from the last four managers in it, in equal standing. It wasn't like all the odd one player. And if you include Coleman coming on, the last five, we, you know, we had both of Allardyce's players. We had you know Cumin players. We had, Holgate was Martinez and. Um, Obviously, a Coleman was Moise as well. When the injuries to the, to the first team players, you know, the likes of Bernard, yeah, um, Andre Gomez, uh, Gabamon, Delph, what's underneath these players that we've bought recently is poor. And it was those players who we still need to replace the Tosins, the Walcotts, the Schneidlands. They're not good enough. They weren't good enough to beat what, uh, Norwich. And that's the real issue at the club. You can change manager as much as you like. But if they're going to have to, if, if when injuries hit, they've got absolute dross like that to call on. I don't care who we get; they're not going to be able to do much better. Yeah, uh, the Schneiderlin situation—that's who I got most angry with after the first goal. Um, I'm not sure if Mina needed to be sucked over there to help Holgate out with Pookie, but at the same time, uh, he was there. Both of them were there facing Pookie, and neither one could really see that gap. Now, Sidibe could have come over to help centrally to give some cover, right? Uh, but Schneiderlin is ball watching. Again. All right? Player go, yeah, again. And the player runs right behind him, and, and, and no one, he, he just fills that lane, and he's wide open. Their chances were so ridiculously clear cut compared to ours. All right. How many how many shots got blocked for us guys? A lot. A lot of them, which means we were predictable. All right. 
They, that means they were there, ready to block our shots. We had opportunities. I didn't think it was the worst, you know. If you watched the game, it took away the, the defensive mistakes. The, the, we actually, we were creating some chances, but they were just so predictable. That was the problem. That so many of them were coming from the same location over and over and over but again. When it comes to Schneiderlin, it was. I, I always, I always have to say this, but I, because he's, <laughs> it's as if I, I, I can never be disappointed in Schneiderlin because it's just the standard that we all know. And then just, I mean, just link it back to the start here. Uh, just, just an analogy from the office. You know, when there's a seven-year-old driving and they crash, you don't, you don't blame the seven-year-old for driving. You blame the person that put them there. And at the end of the day. You Schneidlin's just not good enough to play for the club, and we we have to keep up. We have to put up with him. We have to keep watching him. But I don't think we could ever say we're disappointed at him because that's just it's just the standard he's at. And then a midfield with him, you're not going to be you're not going to be strong defensively, and he's not going to link up the attack. You know what's he actually there for? He's such a the game just bypasses him all the time. Like that video, as as, as disappointing as it is, it's so funny. You must have seen the video of him when. I think um, I think it's for their first goal when they're breaking through, and he's just kind of jogging back. He's just looking at the game, but like, just what I said, like, he's just not good enough. And as Terry was saying, there's too many players who just aren't good enough. But it's as if it's so disappointing because we want them to be better, but you can't even expect them to be better because they're just they're just too poor. They're not good enough to play. But because of the injuries, it's what we're forced into. And I could go. I could go on for years about injuries. Our injuries this season has been so disappointing. But it's not. It's not all down to that, obviously, because you know they had ample opportunity in the summer to bring in replacements. They've had two windows now. They had January last year as well. But the problem is, I'm kind of just reinforcing what Terry said here. After the injuries, we've got absolutely nothing, and that and that's just not good enough. Paul, uh, do you feel like? You look at someone. Do you feel like uh, if we were to bring a new manager in, we'll get here. By the way, we're gonna. But uh, when you watch, when you watch, think about the performance that that happened on Saturday. Do you look at the players that played, and think a new manager could have turned something like that around and had gotten a better result there, or do you think it really is just the fact that the players at this point are are just not up to it, and right now we need to be. Uh, thinking about how to drag points out of games. I think the most of the players that we have in our squad are good enough to be finishing in the top half of the table all around there. I think the players are suffering from just having a real lack of plan. I think plan is the word. I don't know what our style of play is. I don't know what they're told to do. I don't know what, what the what they try and build I'd love to know what goes on uh, during like a sort of like a pre-game like tactics kind of meeting what uh, mm -hmm. what is our style of play I knew what the style of play was under David Moyes we were going to play the percentages we were just going to graft and graft and graft and not have a lot of individuality I knew what the style of play was under Martinet we're just going to pass the other team to death even if we didn't have the players to do it or ourselves yeah. Or ourselves. Yeah, we will pass ourselves, ourselves to death. <laughs> I, I sort of knew what it was with Kuman. It was just give it to Lukaku. Just everything through Lukaku. Everything <laughs> to Lukaku. And I knew what it was under Allardyce. Just hoof the ball and kick people. I, I don't know what Marco Silva's style of play is. So, And I can only imagine the players don't know what style of play. As Terry pointed out, there's a lot of players there who were signed by different managers. 
they all have their own strengths. They all have their own style of play that they're suited to, and it just it just seems like there's no sort of like they're all pulled together and they're all said, listen, you do this, you do this. If this happens, you react this way. It just seems like they're all just pushed out there and they're told to wing it and just do it by the seat of the pants, for lack of a better word. It it really looks like eleven individuals who've just been pulled in and said. You just do your own thing and hopefully it works. Hopefully the other team are too crap to cope with you. And if, if the other team are organised, then we're going to lose. We, I can't remember the last time we didn't we, we beat a team that was really well organised. Every t- time we've got a big win in the last seven, eight months, it's been against, against a team that's just been in disarray or it's been against a team that just isn't playing for the manager or a team that just can't, can't be bothered on the day. You look at United; they were a, they were in a shambles. Arsenal don't know what they're doing under Emery when we beat them. Southampton, who we beat the other week, are probably the worst team in the league. Who else would beat West Ham? Are probably the worst, the second worst team in the league. I just, I, I don't know. We're not going forward. I don't know what the big idea is. It goes back to plan. I don't know what we set out our stall out to do. And I, th- I think it's about time a manager who did have an idea at least maybe it turned out to be a crap idea like Martinez's was or Allardyce's was but just have a manager who seems to know what he's doing type thing we all can see what the manager's trying to get across to the players because I, I can't see anything Silva's trying to get across to the players it just seems like he sends them out there and they're, they're all looking at each other not sure what to do um, here's the part where I'm probably really naive so just bear with me guys um, I think it's a combination. Uh, I do think there's a, I mean, clearly there is a plan, you know what I mean? But um, I, I'm with you, Paul. There are times where it doesn't feel like we can see it. You know, um, first half, we have a, like a little flurry where we were attacking, 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 and pressing really well. And we've got several chances kind of in a row um, in the first half. But the rest of it was low urgency. That's what really stuck out to me in the first half. We were not trying, it's almost like we were overly patient, you know? And I feel like that, maybe that is something that is, that is it's like we go from being overly patient to frantic in the, in, in the span of, like, in just a, such a short amount of time, all right? We were just chilling first half. It's like, oh, we're just going to pass the ball around. They got more of the chances, but we'll get the ball. We'll get the ball, guys. It's cool. We'll be all right. You know, that's what it felt like. It, our pressing was was non was very much it was almost non-existent. It was really ineffective against Norwich, first half. Second half, I think we turned some things around. Um, we were we we retained more of the ball. Second half, or at least it felt like it anyway. We did more with it. Um, but it's just it, it's weird that it takes a half to get a sense of urgency going. It's a speed of play thing for our players up here. You know why we didn't immediately go out and try to take it to them. In the first half, we need the game. We want them on their heels. Why? Why? Why hang back and chill? First half. I just don't understand that. And that's a motivation problem. And that might come from Silva, Silva as well. Thomas, you look like you got something. I. Uh, I spoke to uh, Chris from Talking Norwich City in the opposition view, and we were talking about how bad their away form is. And he said, "All you need to do to beat us away is just 
come at us in the first few minutes and apparently they, they just buckle their whole away form this season has been they're under pressure for the first 10 minutes and they buckle what so what did yeah. we do we went out we passed it around and we were we were labored we were slow we didn't press it was like it's so simple how to beat this team it gets more complicated as you go up the league but this is norwich city who scored but, but, but prior to coming to goodison park they scored one goal away all season that's even worse than us like our away record's bad theirs is even worse and it was like they were waiting they, they came up they came and they were like go on then attack us and we we're like you know what no and it's like why do, why do we do it is is it a silver thing is it because at the end of the day we, we we've always been the team that teams come to if they're in a bad run of form or a player needs to score as, as much as we like to get rid of the mentality or we don't like this or we don't like that that's just what we are at the end of the day this team came to Goodison Park having scored once on the first day of the season against Liverpool in a 4-1 loss and since then they hadn't even scored Tim Krul for most of the season has been He's been quite poor. He's they conceded a lot of goals, and I thought I thought he had a decent game against us. I thought he made a couple of decent saves in our kind of flurry of activity on the 75th minute, which sadly I actually managed to miss because obviously the the one man here whose whose job it is to watch the game and commentate my stream switched over to the Wolves versus Bournemouth game, so I actually just had to listen to the radio. But instead, for that kind of flurry of activity, I thought we just make rubbish players look good all the time, and it's a completely run down for like Norwich. They can play some football, but it, you look at their side. I, I don't mean any disrespect to any of them more than Norwich fans, but I can't na- even name a full Norwich lineup because they don't have big names. They're not a particularly brilliant side, and we just let them we let them play however they wanted to, and it was absolutely embarrassing from us yet again. Um, Terry, if uh, if that if that match represented why Silva should go, all right. If that particular match was was your argument uh do you have a specific reason is there is there anything besides the stuff we've mentioned where you can point to and say that is a reason to to sack a manager based on the the evidence from saturday saturday yeah because um it was indicative of a long-term problem which is if we concede the first goal you may as well go home and stop watching because we always lose if we concede the first goal, and that, in and of itself, is, an, is a sackable offence. That's that was much briefer than I was expecting. I was expecting like, oh, I wrote this down. Hold on, you know, <laughs> that was very brief. Congrats on that. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's just you know, there's, there's arguments can be made. You know, like oh, he's forced into using a lot of players that aren't first teamers that he didn't bring in. Etc. Etc. Okay, that's that's one argument. But another argument is, as soon as we, we have we ever come back from being behind under this manager, it's like and no, and it doesn't matter who we're playing, home or away. If we concede first, that's it, and that is just it's a you know hmm. it's a felony. It just can't be. It, it it's not a forgivable uh, statistic or or trend. It's something that you know will cost the manager his job, and you know that's looks true. like it's going to. Anything else on this one, guys? We we need to get more specific about the manager in the next segment. Anything? I mean, I'm I'm ready to move on. I want to get this. I want to be exercised. Get this demon out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You guys good? Anything yeah. that we haven't mentioned? No. Yeah. No. I mean, we. I feel like this is a. Um, I got a bunch of other stuff written down here, but I feel like this is almost a dead horse. Yes. You know what I mean? It just feels like a dead horse. Just continue yeah. to beat it. <laughs> He's over there beating that dead horse, if you watch South Park. Um, so, 
that's uh, I guess that's it. But is that it for uh, for Silva? We are going to talk about him in the next uh, segment, so stay tuned. I'm smiling because we're talking about other stuff that has nothing to do with Everton. It's great. Uh, but, but now we actually have to go back to the, the, the funeral dirge that is, uh, yeah, uh, now, we, now we're back to earth. Uh, so uh, the managerial situation is we're not optimistic is what is the best way to, to say that. Um, especially when you hear a lot, you know, number one, there's, there's been zero announcement that has stated anything, either support or sacking information uh, on Silva. Neither one has come out. There's been some stuff that came out that said Silva would still be in charge on Monday. That's true. He was. There was a rumor that said that he had been sacked on Sunday and that Unsworth was taking temporary charge and that the U23s were not going to be reporting today. That was not true. Okay? This is the way it works. All right? And if, you're, and if you believe everything you hear about this stuff, you're new to Everton. Okay? Because this is always the way it is. Um, but it's also not surprising that there's been no decision uh, and, and no very decisive action. Because, again, this is Everton. This is the way it works. None of us are surprised by that. All right? So, um, so I'm going to start. I want Terry to start. Because I want to start with can you make an argument for Silva to stay? We're going to start with that. Okay? And then we'll move toward the other possible solutions. Can you make an argument for Silva to stay? Make it quick, because I don't imagine it's a long argument. Go. Um, my, the biggest argument for Silva to stay is if those are, in fact, the four options we've got that have been widely reported. Um, have you mentioned the names yet? I don't think you have. I haven't. I've been saving <laughs> them, but you want to mention them? Yeah. Um, David Moyes, Mark Hughes... Eddie Howe and Mikel Arteta are the four, at this point, names in the frame, according to the press. And if those are the options, I don't want them for different reasons for each one, which I can go through if you like. But if it's if it's one of them, keep Silva. We'll keep Silva for me. Oh, yeah, that's your... That's your yep. Okay, so I, Terry taking a surprising I, stance. I, if you present me someone who is a market improvement on silver, I'd be happy to take it. If you present me four options who are better than silver, I'll pick one. If you present me those four crabs, I don't want them. I don't think silver is good enough, but I still think he's better than them, personally. All right. So, Thomas, can you give me a pro-silver Argument. I think I think it speaks volumes about him at the moment. That pretty much the only reason he's still here is not making the managerial change again to not disrupt the the progress the progress that he's made. You know, changing the manager it changes everything around the club. And I'm pretty sure the only thing that's kind of him hanging on here is they don't want to make another change as they have done pretty much since David Moyes have a manager for a season, then he's banned the second one. But that's not a good enough reason. Let's be honest. You know, he. he, he <laughs> To say that a manager has to say in order to 
not disrupt the progress or the change they made. The club is rubbish. The club needs results, and that's more important than anything else. So that's the only argument I can really think of that he's only still here because it's it's wrong to change your manager after one and a half seasons, but it's not. Okay. There's that. Now, Paul, I'm sure you've got a lot of reasons for Silva to stay. The only argument I can think of and it's it's not an argument I agree with. It's not a particularly strong argument. Is do we wait until a few players come back from injury and see if that makes a difference? Like Gabamin, um, Fabian Delph, uh, who else? It, it, Moise Keane. Do we wait until Moise Keane gets fully settled and in the team properly? Because the team we've been playing so far this season is definitely not the team that he probably had in mind in the summer. So. You know, do we wait until his his signings get fully settled and are fit? I think that's an argument he put across. He gets called into the office by Mashiri and says, "Look, I don't think it's working out." I think that's what he'd say. Look, you have to give me more time. A lot of things out of my control have gone against me. Just let my signings bed in. But I think, to be honest, I don't think that's a good enough reason. I think we've seen too many bad things that have. The writing's on the wall, basically. I, don't, I just don't think anything's going to improve massively at all if we keep him. So we might as well just move on. Um, these are reasons. Uh, I I was thinking of the you know do we consider the injuries you know that you just mentioned? Uh, do we consider that anybody we bring in will have to be dealing with a very difficult winter period that schedule is is not favorable uh and it's and it would be a real challenge for anyone new coming in right especially if they're anyone who has a different type of system to what silva would be be running uh that's a lot of changeover right there uh i'm i mean i i this whole time i've been thinking that I want to see. I want. I want to see evidence of a of an Everton plan. You know, I want. To, I want the board to say this is our plan. Um, and I didn't really have any very good reasons uh, as far as Silva staying. I have difficulty with that. Um, however, I think you can make a conversation out of it. You can. You know, um, for the reasons that we've mentioned, there's a conversation there. Um, one other thing that hasn't been mentioned is the fact that. And I don't think this is a good reason either, Paul. <laughs> but uh, but the, the fact that players like Richarlison are so tied to Silva, what happens there? But you can't be like caught no. b- with, for reasons like that. You know what I mean? But it is a thing. It is something that we'll have to deal with. All right? I don't know if Richarlison, I don't know how long he would stay if Silva was gone. I don't know, um, or, or would want to stay. So, these are things to think about. Um, so, I think that's fodder for a decent Silva conversation. Um, however, Terry makes the argument he would prefer Silva to stay if these four names that I'm about to say are the only ones. Uh, can we just right off the bat and say Mark Hughes is not is not an option for either for any of us? Paul, you want to start with that? Can just can we just go ahead and knock that one? Mark off? Hughes, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't be happy seeing Mark Hughes manage Southport FC. Never mind Evan. You know I mean? I, I, the guy's finished. The guy's not going to get a job in the Premier League, surely. He's like Alan Pardew. He's he's blacklisted. Any club that throws him a bone must have just a really, really stupid chairman at this point. Okay. Thomas? Mark Hughes out. I think Cody's poppy reef. I think Mark Hughes could be one of the most the smartest appointments since David Moyes, pretty much. No, I'm joking, don't worry. Um, <laughs> no, no, it'd be absolutely disastrous. Sorry, man. <laughs> the book doesn't even come with like the Allardyce defensive grit. He comes with absolutely nothing. He comes with a rubbish win rate everywhere he goes. He's not. He, he wasn't even a successful manager where he was ever, pretty much. So, no, it'd be absolutely disastrous. I just want to say you got me. <laughs> I, you you legit had me. I was like, where is Thomas coming from on this? He must have met Mark Hughes at some point and knows he's like this nice guy or something. Yeah, okay. So anyway, uh, Terry, you want to just address that one real quick? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that Dave Hedgehog, look him up if you don't know who he is, is not just a false flag option um, to make people more agreeable to the actual realistic options because if you put in front of me Moyes or Hughes and I really don't want Moyes but I'd pick Moyes the man Hughes had 21.7% win percentage in his last job and he's going to get a new job at a better club do me a favour absolutely not it would just literally make us the laughing stock of Europe if we employed that man okay what's the name sorry what's the name of that guy who's really tied into Mishiri he's called Kaya somebody he's an agent yeah, he's Mark Hughes' agent and he's good friends with Mishiri. I think that's all that link will be. That'll just be people thinking... I think that guy will probably have said that to Mishiri and Mishiri, if he's got any sense at all, have laughed at him. I think that, that, that's where that link comes from. I don't think there's anything to it. Definitely think it's a false flag now just to make people not as angry about who we do get. So, oh, it could have been Hughes. Mm. So... Typical fence riding from these guys. Um, just, just not willing to make a stand. Uh, no, uh, it's pretty clear. Um, so uh, let's talk about this uh, manager from the Spanish League, uh, David Moyet, hmm. uh, from Real Sociedad. Uh, yeah, so uh, Toffee Blues put out a poll. Are any of you down with David Moyes? And uh, 65% said no. So as you know, 65 is greater than 50. So that is a majority that says we're not really wanting uh, David Moyes uh, back in the saddle at Everton. Uh, Thomas, thoughts on, on Moyes on this? No, I am being serious here. I'm not saying I want David Moyes. I don't think he's going to be a very good option at all. But what I am saying is, and I feel maybe I've fallen victim to what um, Terry was saying that maybe Mark Hughes has been flagged to make it look mm. like David Moyes isn't that bad but <laughs> at the end of the day just to maybe cause a discussion I don't think David Moyes would be the end of the world simply because this is simply based on the fact that the only thing that he seemed to have going for him at Everton when he was here for 11 years was that uh, what do you even call it, the grit, the personality that the squad had and at the end of the day we, we have none of that and the that thing is that's the only thing he could probably bring because he's not tactically brilliant he just seemed to be able to motivate a pile of, let's be honest, absolute rubbish for quite a few years. And next to Mark Hughes, I think he, lo- I think he looks like a remarkable prospect. But do I think David Moyes should come? No. Do I think it would be the end of the world? Maybe not either, because at the end of the day, 
he's, he's better than Mark Hughes. <laughs> Please, just anyone, basically, other, other than that, that bloke there. Uh, Terry. Moyes. Nope, never. It, it's not 2010. Um, Moyes was good while he was here, for the most part. I think he went stale towards the end, personally. But even if you don't, it was a long time ago. What has he done since he left to warrant coming back to the club? Nothing. He's he's putting poor everywhere he's been ever since. Even this, even at his very best, which he isn't now, but back in the day when he was at his very best, his greatest strengths were transfers because he you know he knew a good player. He very rarely got them wrong. Wouldn't be doing that here. He director of football now, so you don't even get that. Um, and the work rate his teams had, which he built up over a long time. It's funny how we're you know extolling the virtues of you know the stability that David Moyes brought to the club whilst looking to sack another manager. Doesn't really make sense to me that like I, I just don't want another interim bollocks appointment like we had last time with Allardyce. Although this one won't taste quite as nasty on the tongue as Allardyce was, it's the same thing. It's just, even if he if it's short term, it's like okay, we'll just write another season off and get a merry-go-round manager to be a placeholder. Uh, I just, no. If if he's the alternative, I'd rather just stick with Silva, personally. So, make a note. Terry has said Allardyce t- doesn't taste great on the tongue. We feel All right? I just, I'm just saying. <laughs> Paul, Paulinho, what do you got? What do you got on Moise? Um, I think football's moved on and Everton needs to move on. And we're a club that for 30 years just hasn't got with the times enough. It would just be be a step backward going to David Moyes. I mean, again, if it was a choice between David Moyes and Mark Hughes, then you'd go with David Moyes. But it's, it's not progression. Is it? And we're a club that is apparently wanting to progress. So, Moyes, I'll I'll go easy on him to an extent. I, I don't think he's the, you know, the washed up failure that everyone paints him as. Things have not gone great for him since he left Everton. The United job was never the right job for him. Sociedad was never the right job for him. Him in Spain, what was all that about? It was never going to work out there. Sunderland was a club that had an awful lot of problems behind the scenes and it, it wouldn't have mattered if it was Guardiola in charge. They, they probably would have went down that season. I mean, that they were a club that was terminally ill. And West Ham, you know, he didn't do great at West Ham, but he, he did what was asked of him. He kept them up, which was when, mm-hmm. which is what they brought him in to do. So I, I'm not saying that to justify him coming here. I, I don't want him, but... I still think David Moyes could do a decent job for somebody somewhere. I don't think he's an absolute busted flush. I just I don't think Everton Football Club in 2019 is where David Moyes belongs. I just don't think his style of management would, would work here anymore. If this was February or March, I would be more interested in this conversation. You know what I mean? Because then it's like, okay... We need, we're, we're really struggling and we want to make sure that every, you know, we need some stabilization, whatever. If we were worried about relegation in March, let's talk about Moyes. Let's have the conversation. But one of the reasons 
brought in a director of football, all right, is transitioning from manager to manager, all right? The idea of there being a seamless transition going from one to the other, why would you, I mean, I feel like if you're, if you're going to go from Silva to someone else, there needs to be, it needs to be a manager that's more similar to what Silva does, all right? More similar to, the, to certain ways that Silva, you know, manages a game, something. And I'm trying to, I feel like Hughes and Moyes immediately, I'm like, they're not that similar yeah. with what he would be doing. Well, also, you know? there's, there's st- still something to fight for this season. I know it's, oh, it's, yes. it's really bleak <laughs> at the moment, but we're still in the League Cup. The FA Cup hasn't started yet. There's still a lot of games to go. I, I, I think Europe's gone, sadly. I don't think that's going to happen. But there's still something, this season could still be something positive something positive could still happen that gives fans hope for the future we could we could hopefully win one of the cups or we could get you know a big win or two that gets the fans pumped up none of those scenarios are going to happen with 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 Moyes or Hughes are they we're not going to win a cup with either one of them we're not going to beat any of the top six home or away one of those as managers we just be doing what we did with Allardyce a couple of seasons ago where we're basically just winning all the games against cannon fodder and if as you said if it gets to the point where it's february march and we are seriously in trouble then it's okay we just have to we just have to accept that staying up this season is all we can hope for but it's not that bad yet we just all we at the moment we just we know that this manager we have is not good enough for the for the long term let's get someone in for the long term we don't have to think short term interim at least not in my opinion Okay, yeah, and I, I, I got to agree, and I'm not going to, I actually, again, being naive Jerry, I'm not going to fully write off Europe, European football yet, just because the log jam between, like, you know, sixth and all the way down, uh, not maybe all the way down to the bottom, but you know what I mean, it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight in terms of points, and you go on a little run, not doing anything stupid for a little while, you're actually going to find yourself in that in that scrap. Um, so, yeah, uh, the season still has a lot to it. So if we're thinking about, I mean, not going with a stopgap solution, instead thinking about someone for the long term, these next two options technically are long-term names. Okay? One of them has a lot of Premier League experience. One of them has zero experience as a manager. Okay, none. All right. So, let's start with uh, let's start with the one who has never managed a team, uh, Mikel Arteta. Uh, Toffee Blues put out a poll. Eighty-three percent said yes, they're they're okay with Arteta as our next manager. Now, let's start with Thomas. He hasn't gotten to start one of these yet. What do you think about Arteta as a possibility, Thomas? I think tactically. Potentially. The thing is making an argument for Mikel Arteta, you've got absolutely nothing to base it off. And that's the problem, because we don't fully know how much involvement he has at City. A couple of the players have come out at times and said he's actually very important. He's good at man management. Like he's good at you know, telling players what to do in a game. Could he do that for a full 11 every game? Maybe not. At City, it's probably very easy to be an assistant manager under Pep Guardiola. I'm not saying that Mikel Arteta is not qualified, but it's probably... a Pretty pretty fun job. It's probably pretty easy job. You've got a lot of brilliant brilliant players who need less coaching than you know Theo Walcott does down the right hand side or Morgan Schneider in defensive midfield. 
I think it would be an interesting one. I think it's a bit football manager-esque. I'm not sure I ever really saw this coming, you know, years ago. Right now, maybe not. Simply because will it make that much of a change all of a sudden that we're bringing in some person that's untested? Because at the end of the day, Margot Silva was still relatively untested and even when he was tested, when he came in, he hadn't really passed the test necessarily. So I think maybe an interesting one, but maybe not. That's not a sort of particularly clear one. It, it, it could be interesting, but maybe not what we're looking for at the moment. <laughs> oh, Thomas. <laughs> uh, so, maybe interesting, maybe not. Let's go. Let's move to Paul Arteta. How does that strike you, bud? Not for me. Um, again, it goes back to what I was saying a few. Um, if, let's say if, if we were in the final stretch of the season and we were really, really in trouble and we just needed a figurehead to come in and be the manager, just someone who would really get the fans fired up and get a great atmosphere at Goodison and we could win games just with a bare pit atmosphere, then I think someone like Arteta would make sense. But I think, I think a figurehead, a, a guy who is well-liked by supporters, isn't necessarily what we need. We had that with Unsworth a couple of years ago. He was another guy who had a lot of people saying good things about him. He was doing great with the youth team. The supporters love him, have a big soft spot for him. He's, he made the step up and he, he proved not good enough in the end. Now, Arteta could be the next Pep Guardiola. He could be another David Unsworth. We don't know. For me, it's it's just too big a gamble. Do you know what I mean? If we, as I said, if we were in a spot where we just needed some passion, and we just needed some points by hook or by crook, and our best chance to get those points is just by getting the fans totally united and scrapping for everything, then that would probably make sense. But as a long-term custodian, someone to come in and build something, I just Arteta just hasn't got the CV for me. He hasn't got any CV practically, All has right. he? So. No, Arteta is a pass for me, personally. Terry? Arteta is definitely the most interesting one of the four names mentioned because he's got the mystery factor. Um, he's got, you know, he's got the most pros in his column for me because he's got, you know, the the connection with the fans. Um, you know, he'd, he'd be afforded more patience than any of those other managers would be, um, by supporters at least. Um, we know he's coming from a good sort of academy almost, you know, working with Guardiola. I don't put a lot of stock into that. I know some people do because Paul Clement was with um, Ancelotti and he wasn't very good in his own right. As the, it, he could be our Lampard, but he could be our Solskjaer as well. I, I think it's a mistake, personally. I, if you... If you ask me, I, I just don't think a driver with a provisional driving license can drive an F1 car. It's it's too big a job for your first job. I don't think he's ever like taken a reserve game and under 11s match anything. It's um, it's the most palatable though of all the choices, just because he's a young manager with a big reputation and he'd be, you know people would root for him where it's, it's easier to, if you have to have one of those four he's the easiest to get behind the others feel like negative sort of sideways steps at best whereas Arteta feels like okay we're going to go for a 
we're going to roll the dice on this young manager. But I, I think it, I, it, it is like Paul says, a big gamble. It's it's probably too much of a gamble. I th- I'd like it to be someone with a little bit more under their belt than Arteta. But and I'm sorry if I'm jumping on your closing segment question, Jerry. Of the four mentioned, if it had to be one of them four, it'd probably be Arteta. But that's um, I'd, I'd still stand by my statement of I'd rather keep Silver than any of the four. Yeah. Well, there goes my closing <laughs> question, it's, it's Terry. It's like picking the nicest guy in prison, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that, that really wasn't my closing question, Terry. Uh, gonna, we we're going to talk about your favorite vegetable, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so, I... Arteta is my my I, I'm I'm divide I'm kind of divided on this. Um, I will say when I think about Arteta, I think about my prediction for how Lampard would do. Okay, I didn't really think he was going to do that great. Um, I saw what he did at you know Derby County. Yeah, but I didn't think he was going. I didn't think he was. I thought it was going to take him longer at Chelsea to actually. Now, granted, it's still yeah, early I, I days. Was, at sorry, Chelsea. I was going to say that. The season's still young. Lampard could still crash and burn. Really People are, for my opinion, mm-hmm. getting on, jumping on top of Lampard too quickly. He, he had a slow start. Mm. It's picked up now. It could fall cliff. Chelsea is just a weird club. Mm-hmm. They always have Conte had them playing some absolutely amazing stuff, and then it it it, it, it filtered out, didn't it? In that second season. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would I wouldn't be um, anointing Lampard as the next big thing just yet myself. Okay, uh, I but I was thinking though, if we were going to go someone with no experience, managerial experience, it seems like Arteta would be the guy. If we were going to go with someone with zero Premier League managerial experience, that's our guy. Um, so curious, very curious situation. Um, last name that I'm going to be submitting, and then I'll get a few from you guys. Um, He's been been with Bournemouth for a while. Uh, Eddie Howe. So, we will start with, uh, let's see here. Let's start with Terry this time. The um, the English silver, Eddie Howe. What is the point? He's, he's, he's not a big enough manager. Now, I know we've mentioned other managers who um, probably aren't as good as, um, as Howe. But it's it's not a it's not a simple, you know, power level type of thing. It's you know, Howe has done a really really good job at Bournemouth. He's turned the team around with a lot, you know, the club around with League One players and brought them into the Premier League and got them stable. But he, I just can't see him making the step up to Everton. He, he right now, I think I saw an article where he was linked today, and it said something like, "Oh, he's only had one win in seven. Uh, so he'd be open to the change. Like he would be sacked at Everton if he had that much, just like that that sort of run. He'd be sacked if he went on a run where I think he he didn't win a game in nine the last season or the season before. It's like, I'm, no, that you, you can't. That that's why we're getting rid of Silver because of runs are like that. So what would be the point in just replacing him with another version of Silver, but without the eighteen months in the job and? And the you know the support of all the players. A lot of the players have been brought in by Silver. Why are you replacing them with someone who, for me, is no better and hasn't got the benefits of Silver, which is the connection with a lot of the players? Again, I keep banging the point home. If it's that or Silver, I'd stick with Silver. 
All right. Paul. Um, I can only echo what Terry said, really. I, I mean, I just I don't see what the difference is between them other than their nationality and the fact that Eddie Howe smiles a lot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Their CVs are actually very similar when you look at them, Marco Silva and Eddie Howe. They took over these two tiny clubs. Um, it was Estoril or in Portugal and Bournemouth in England for Eddie Howe. You know, they took these clubs kind of up from nothing and kind of got them up to the top league and kept them there and made their name that way. But kind of after that, there's not really much to write home about. Uh, you know, Silva went abroad and won the Greek League. You know, well done. And I think he had a spell in Portugal that's born in Lisbon. Um, Eddie Howe went to Burnley, wasn't there long, flamed out at Burnley, went back to Bournemouth and, uh, got, as I said, got them in the Premier League. But f- there's just there's nothing about Eddie Howe that makes me look and think, I really like that. I'd, I'd love to see a bit of Aaron Everton. It, it, it's just pretty football, pass, pass, pass. If you love that sort of thing, then he's the manager for you. But... I, I don't care about how many passes we do in a game. All I care about is goals. And I certainly don't care don't care for a manager who, as Terry said, goes on these awful runs of one in nine, one win in seven, gets beat four nil by mid table sides, which happens a lot with Bournemouth. They're just they're so topsy turvy. So Eddie Howe, I, I think he will probably step up at some point, but Everton's too big a step up. I think he's better suited to a West Ham or in Newcastle or something like that I think Everton is he's not done anything to, anywhere near enough to merit the Everton job and if we were going to again it's a gamble and if we're going to gamble I'd rather gamble on someone like Arteta if that mode okay. of thinking Thomas anything on Eddie Howe that hasn't been said yet um, well <laughs> we don't know how much of this would go on if he became the Everton manager but he's been pretty disastrous with money kind of while he's been at Bournemouth you know I think it was twenty million on Solanke. Like, I don't even know what kind of a transfer that is. I had a feeling they that's gave, what you were going to mention. They gave a lot of money to the fool when he was like fifty or something. You know, his money's not good. He like he'd walk into Joel a shop Nye. like John Nye. You know, he'd walk into a shop and spend like ten pound on a Twix. You know, he just he just seems to overpay and he doesn't seem to know where the value is in the market. And there's been so many complaints about our money being misspent here and there. And I don't think he'd come in and do anything different. Like like uh, the like the McAllisters were saying like. I don't think he'll be anything special or anything like significant or different that we need, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I. There are things I love about Eddie Howe. You know, I actually think, I think, I mean, he's somebody who I think would be really, really. He would take this as like, maybe the biggest job he'll ever have, and he would treat it like that, which is cool. You know, I like that. You know, I like it. Someone saying that right there. That's probably going to be the pinnacle of my career. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna stay there for a long, long time and make them amazing. I think he would treat it like that. I like that because I feel like, don't I remember him being like a having yeah, connections to Everton? Boyhood Evertonian, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's I like that too. All right. Um, having said that. Um, I would would have liked to have seen more consistency in Bournemouth in terms of results year after year. Right? I think, uh, and also I have this thing about, I, I, I like a stout defense. It's just something I feel like, 
I feel like Everton should have that. I feel like that's just something historically Everton should have is just a brick wall. And for me, that just kind of I feel like Eddie Howe would it would be a little bit more free flowing football. Yeah. And you know, you unless know? results were absolutely fantastic, I think fans would get bored of Eddie Howe's pass and style very quick. It's the same way we did with Martinez. I think the atmosphere at the games would be would be very very sulky and moody again. They are currently the way they are. They're like that anyway. But I remember mm. what it was like under Martinez, where fans just fans oh, would sit God. there like this. Yeah. Well, and the the, the problem is, I think fans are cool with sitting there like that. If if eventually you feel like there's going to be a point, eventually you feel like there's going to be a climax. Instead of you're going to pass, 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 and then you get around the 18, and then you know what? Let's move back again. Yeah. There's no. You know. There's no growth. <laughs> type thing Bournemouth haven't changed at all in the time he brought them up and Bournemouth are, mm. Bournemouth are content with that they're happy to just be in the Premier League like Hawker by Crook but there's no progression like it's what mm. what is he trying to build type thing it's just it just seems like they're spinning the tyres and Eddie, Eddie Howe is content to spin his tyres of Bournemouth that's why I think Eddie Howe needs to leave Bournemouth but not to Everton Everton's a no-no Okay, and I just want to point out that uh, Toffee Blues ran a poll on this. 54% of Toffee Blues voters said yes to Eddie Howe. So if you go on the percentages, Toffee Blues supporters, Arteta is the top choice of the, the four listed. Eddie Howe, then Moyes, and Hughes, no vote was taken. Because why? Um, so, lastly, this is ran, this has just been, this has run a, this has been just such a gargantuan segment, but let's consider the topic. It, it makes sense. Really quickly, let's not, let's not give a big, huge... I just want each one of you give your selection for who a reasonable choice for manager that's not listed. Make it reasonable. And if you got nobody, just say it. All right? So, Thomas. Oh, awful. Um, Marcelino. Marcelino, why? I don't know, I've just seen his name. I just didn't want to be the one without the name. I actually don't know anything about him. I think he might play a 4 4 or something. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't actually know anything about him. And that, that was pretty much it. So, no, I, I can't really think of anyone else at the moment. Pochettino, let's, let's take him. Obviously not, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Paul, I know yours. Yeah, uh, mine would be Nico Kovac who was managing Bayern Munich until recently. He was the manager of Frankfurt before that, and he was very much like a... sort of what David Moyes was in the in the middle part of his reign at Everton. You know, it was a slow pro build. You know, he was getting the most out of the least. And like David Moyes at Everton, he got the opportunity for the big job. He's in the minds of Bayern Munich's hierarchy, proved to be someone who was deserving of a big step up. He got the job, and in his first season, he won the double. Now, I know normally that's nothing to really shout about when you're Bayern Munich because they win trophies in that league every year, but a lot's been going on at Bayern Munich in the past year or so. The older stars are all retired or or really over the hill. Um, there's been a lot of like internal conflict as well, apparently. And for me, I... I 
I think he is someone who is worth discussing because he's won trophies. He won a cup at Frankfurt. He's won the, the domestic double at Bayern Munich in a season where they were not fancy to win it. You know, Dortmund were very strong that year. Dortmund were top of the league for most of the season with the likes of Jade Sancho and Pulisic and things like that. And Bayern Munich had this barnstorming run at the end to, t- to end up taking the title again. And the, the reason he's left a few weeks ago is says more about Bayern Munich than it does him type thing. Apparently, he read some home troops to a couple of the senior players, the people with a lot of influence, and they mm. went above his head to the Bayern Munich board, the president, and they decided to part ways because a lot of players who are kind of tied to Bayern Munich, I'm not going to say the names, but you know, they are like Mr. Bayern Munich, one of them's a goalkeeper, one of them's a, a forward. They kind of said, Listen, it's him or us, and you know it's not the manager who sells shirts, is it? With his name on the back, I I, I think he he's met it, he met it to discussion because I think he's got enough on his record mm-hmm. to suggest that he could do very well in the Premier League. And I agree, he's a name that I thought of. I was worried about the transition from Bundesliga to Premier League. That was my that was my big thing on that. But uh, he is a talented young coach. He's he's and he does have a, a CV. Yeah, he does. and he has coached at a really. And he's high got a personality level. as well. The, the fact that he was, he, the mm-hmm. fact that he had the bravery to try and make those changes that he was trying to make at Bayern Munich. The fact that he kind of stood up to these players and told them what he didn't want to hear, and it's not ended well for him. But for me, that says more about Bayern Munich than it does about him. Whereas a lot of managers would be there, mm-hmm. and a lot of managers would go into a job like that and just be happy to be there. Terry, Terry, who who is your name? And and let's not say uh, Antonio Hiberto. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's okay if you don't have a name, man. You know, it's all right. He, Lucien Favre is on the brink of um, at Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I, I'm, I'm always the first to say some fans are unrealistic with who we could get, but he was interested in the Everton job before he went there. He was very interested and we went the other way. Now, he's currently in a job. He's not going to leave Dortmund for us, but may possibly you know, stick with Silver and then act if he becomes available. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. you know, could be beaten out to that by the likes of Arsenal or, play, or teams like that. I don't know. There's there's an argument to be made for Rafa Benitez. That's that's sort of a heart versus head kind of thing. Obviously, he comes with a massive pedigree of, of um. Well, I don't even want to say a massive pedigree of success because I, I think it's overstated the cups he's won. He did win cups, but he was with the luckiest team in football when he won his major trophies. So whether that was him or them, I'm not sure. But he does get an awful lot out of a small amount, like he proved at Newcastle. Um. But it, I just don't think he. I've I've I bounced back and forward on it, but I think a lot of people, even the people who would want Benitez, how just square the fact that he's a manager who's shown such massive disrespect to the club in the past. Like football's an emotional game. You don't you you, you can't take the emotion out of it. And look at it coldly and go, oh well, he did this, so he shouldn't know. I'd have to. You'd have to. You'd have to be the world's best manager or the top five managers in the world for me to forget that you called Everton a small club not only is it really insulting but it's also it shows a lack and a shocking lack of understanding of English football if you think that's true but 
he's another name on a lot of supporters' lips. I don't, I don't even know if I agree with it. I sort of do sometimes and don't the others, but it's just one of the names who haven't come up. If you ask me, stick with Silver until a much more clear improvement becomes available. Or if there is one and we don't know about it, get him in. But for the names we've heard in the press, I'm, I'm not convinced. See, that's the thing. I feel like there are more names, and we haven't really scoured looking the way one would hope that the Everton board have been scouring. We haven't really, I haven't really done a lot of research. I will say the one name that hasn't been mentioned much that's probably unrealistic. Since Thomas said Pochettino, I just wanted to give it an unrealistic shout. Um, Allegri from Juve, who used to be the manager at Juventus. I would be curious to see what he would do with the defense. I would be curious to see what he would be able to pull off with some with some of our you know bigger name signings. I would be I I don't know he's older, and I don't think he's realistic, but I'd be curious to see something like that happening. It would be it would be a big name, but I'm just not sure. If, I almost wonder if he's too old. We may need to, and I say that being like you know old myself. Uh, he's he's got to be older than me, dude. And that is, to me, like, if you're older than me, then holy yeah. hell. If, he, if he's less than 50, I, I wouldn't say he's too old. I feel like he's older than Yeah, he's going to be. He, he, I he know he's been around be. for a long he time, hasn't he? Be. He was with AC Milan before he was with Juventus, and he was with Juventus a long while. But, hmm. a, I would be curious to see how he would wrangle. He's, he's going to work again somewhere, isn't he? So, yeah, um, but... You it, know, he's been linked with a lot of big jobs, but he just... They always you're not, not going to leave. You're not going to step from Juventus into a club that's not even in Europe. It's the only reason I say Fav is because he was interested previously, and it might he might still have an interest if he loses his Dortmund job. I don't think Allegri's going. I think the only club he'd go to if they were outside of Europe would be Man United. Um, so it's either going to be a mega name club or a club that's firmly and safely in Champions League every year. Just a, just a just a an aisle that we can't afford to shop in. I don't, I'm afraid for me. Go, go just quickly yeah, going back to what Jerry said. These four managers who we're getting linked with, they are not the only options. You know what I mean? There are yeah, there are yeah. a lot of managers out there on the continent who are probably around Europa League level who we could probably get if we waved enough money at them. As so I've, I've mentioned, Kovac, Marcelino, who Thomas mentions, Marcelino. Did wonders for Valencia. He went into Valencia after Gary Neville mm-hmm. and balls it up, and they were basically like a house that was on fire and fallen down. And he united the Valencia fan base, who are notoriously fickle and notoriously hot tempered. He got them right behind him and won them a trophy and got them back in the top four. And the only reason he's not at Valencia now is because their lunatic owner basically forced him out. And the strength of feeling was after he left that the players actually went on strike and refused to train, and mm. there was riots in the streets. There's there's other names as well. Um, who's the guy who I, I don't think he's available now, but he, he was available until a few weeks ago. Uh, Rudy Garcia, I think, has gone to Leon. Julian Lopetegui, who's gone to Sevilla. Just, there are a lot of names on the continent who are not out of Everton's league. Just sadly, it's just bad timing. Yeah, like Bob Bradley, right? <laughs> I like Bob. I've got a bad rap. 
I actually, I actually do like Bob. I, I, but I don't, I don't think he needs to be coming to heaven anytime soon. But I think he's better than he showed. Yeah, if, if he were English, he'd have had another two Premier League jobs by now. It's only because he's American. He, mm-hmm. like, these idiots like Allardyce and um, the old boys. Yeah, the, talk, the old boys through pretend that being an English manager is a hindrance when the, there's so many British managers who are getting jobs they've got no right to go into because they're British. But um, yeah, Paul Paul's right. I hope we're looking outside of this lazy four names that we've got because but mm-hmm. the way we the way you sold Marcelino there, he went into a club with fickle, hostile fans. And United well, yeah, but got them but in the top four. Uh, I'll have a bit of that. And he plays 4-4-2. He's perfect. And his name's Marcelino. Marcel and Marcelino. Make it happen. Okay. <laughs> it's just mentioned what I said a moment ago about Allegri. These managers are going to work again. <laughs> They're going to get jobs somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you can't be in the conversation if you don't at least go to them and make them an offer and get them round a table and try and sell them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, 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 Thomas, you've convinced us on Marcelino. Well done. Extensive, uh, extensive. <laughs> look, 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 look at how, uh, I mean, he just, Thomas just wouldn't yeah. shut up about Marcelino. You know what I mean? He's. <laughs> I, I honestly, as long as the person who chooses the next manager is not Denise Barrett Baxendale, is not Bill Kenwright, and is not Mar- um, Farhad Mashiri, I want the man to pick, pick the next manager to be Marcel Brands. That's his job. That's what we want him to do. To you know, Saint Saint Marcel in, in the shrine there behind Jerry. Um, yeah, I strategically did not light the candle yeah. here though, because I'm angry. Well, what what would be the point in letting let's let's have it right, Bill Kenwright, to get his mate David Moyes back into the club? Um, when we've tried, got there. tried his absolute best to get Unsworth the job two years ago. Mm-hmm. There's only one person pushing for David Moyes if it is true, and you know it's not Marcel. Big blue bill, but that's uh, another video. Just, just briefly before we finish, <laughs> I, I think the fact I think it was if it was going to be Moise, it would have been announced yesterday or today because he's only a mm. Moise is only a 30 second phone call away. You know, he is, you know, he's standing, he's sitting wherever he is, waiting by his phone wait, for it to ring. I think the fact that it's not been announced makes me hope, hopefully, maybe I could be wrong, it, it's given me hope that maybe the phone calls are going somewhere else and that we are maybe sounding people out. Because uh, Moyes, Moyes would moonwalk back to Goodison. He'd, he'd be here already, I think, if it was going to be if it was going to be Moyes. Look, it'll only be Moyes now if everybody else turns us down, which hopefully we don't. All right. Anything else on this, guys? Because I feel like we've given this ample attention, uh, ample attention, uh, having crossed the fifty-minute threshold. <laughs> I feel like all of us just finished a marathon. We're like sweating. We need water. I've almost finished mine. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think we're 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 trying to make sure there's no stone unturned in this particular instance. However, I do think there's going to have to be another follow up at this at some point that really examines the options that are out there. That really, really, where we really get into the nitty gritty of that, right? So. Um, so I guess that's it for our managerial situation segment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Paul versus Terry versus Thomas. 
in a Toffee's Cage match of Wit and Might. Guys, uh, yeah, this will be a David Moyes transfer special. We're not used to having three people in the Everton Thunderdome. Normally it's two men enter, one man leaves, but it's three this time, all right? So, guys, uh, what will happen is I will give a player's name, and you will guess the fee that Everton paid. The closest to the fee wins the point. If it's equidistant, over and under, the one who's underneath will win just because we have to have a tiebreaker of some kind. It's arbitrary as hell. It's very price is right. Whatever. Okay. So, uh, begin. Oh, hold on. No. Don't begin intense quiz music yet. We need to flip a coin. I have here a fake coin. It, uh, it, it, one side is heads, one side is tails. Um, let's determine who goes first. Paul, call it. Tails. Tails, and it is heads. So, that nothing has been accomplished. <laughs> so, <laughs> Terry, call it. Heads. It is heads. Terry, who goes first, second, and third? I go first. Paul goes second. Thomas third. That's nepotism, though. Not, not having that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I would remind you... He can do that, Thomas. that cheap trick. <laughs> hey, that's what everybody does. <laughs> Every single time. Um, so uh, I want to I remind everybody, listeners, and because Thomas hasn't said it yet, Thomas is still undefeated, and I am shocked and appalled he has not mentioned this John yet. mentioned it to me the other day, and I, it dawned on me. was like, maybe I'm saying it a bit too much. <laughs> so I kind of reined it in. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's funny. Like, you kind of... You always kind of mention it, you know, just just very... I always figure you're just joking about it. And it's no, okay. Yeah, it's okay to be broken, happy. But, you know, if I lose, I'm not coming back on. So. But, <laughs> Never! Well, has he got a question as right as I did last time? Like, on the... Oh, jeez. To the exact digit of appearances for somebody it was. Well, um, <laughs> Martinez uh, managed games, wasn't it? And I got it right to the exact... That was absurd. That was so absurd. I'm still, uh, I'm still yeah. sick. I put all that effort into figuring out how many clean sheets Jordan Pickford had. Got <laughs> <Not> within one. <laughs> and, uh, he got it bang on by going one up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Terry is going first. Paul is second. The the man wearing the championship belt is going third. All right. So begin intense quiz music. There it is. It's so intense. All right. So, Terry. John Stones. Three million. Okay. Terry says three million. Paul. I'm not just saying this. Uh, this was what I was going to say. I think it's four million. Paul says four million. Thomas. I think it's a... Pretty sure it's somewhere around the three million, but obviously I just can't. I can't guess three million now. But um, I'm pretty sure it, it, it's somewhere around there. It wasn't a high fee. I'll go three point three point two million. I don't have a clue. And the actual uh, answer is three point one five million, <laughs> which gives Thomas. <laughs> 
the uh, <laughs> the point. <laughs> it's it's so much nicer. It's, it's every time. <laughs> it's, so, gentlemen, are we are we changing order every time and shuffling every time, or are we keeping the same order? So Thomas, Thomas takes first blood. I'm not. I'm not the quiz master. I'm, I'm not here to organize it. Well, your job. Let's shuffle. I'll go first this time. Let's shuffle. Yeah, let's shuffle. Okay. Next, Paul. Matthew Kennedy. Just need like some Scottish thing, yeah. Carnival. Purchased from. Uh, I think it's uh, Kilmarnock. Can't be a lot because we had no money during that era, and he didn't play. So. Five five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand says Paul. Yeah, that might be too high. Thomas. Oh, I've lovely. Never heard of him in my life. I'm not going. This isn't going to be a great guess. One hundred fifty thousand. One hundred fifty thousand and Terry. Not just doing this, but I think 600,000. That sort of rings a bell. I remember him signing because he posted a picture in the back of the car with on the seat. It was royal blue drapey headphones. I remember thinking at the time, going, oh, they're collapsed. I wish I had them. And it's just a sign of the times. We're getting everyone at the overhead, overhead um, drapey headphones because he'd signed for Everton. He bought himself some blue ones and was just like, oh, I like that. <laughs> All right, uh, Matthew Kennedy signed from Kilmarnock in November of 2012 for 225,000 pounds. So the closest answer was 150,000 from Thomas. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. He's like the Liverpool of the quiz, isn't he? He's just like, <laughs> I've actually never even heard of him until you said his name. Then. And what's funny is like, I had actually heard of him. I remember him. I do remember the player. Uh, I think that, especially since Terry was very specific, like, hey, I know what kind of headphones he had. Uh, yeah. The thing is, Moyes when I was 11. So, like, the whole Moyes era, I was like, I, I yeah. knew a bit about reason no much. Technically, I should be, like, robbing this, because I'm the oldest, so I remember the Moyes. I've been the furthest away on the both, I think. All right, so, next one. Thomas, you're going first. Brian Oviedo. Oh, come on. Um, Three million. Okay. Terry. Six million. Six million. Paul. Four and a half million. Four and a half million. Actual retail price of Brian Eviedo from FC Copenhagen is uh, five million. In August of 2002, Paul Paul got that one. I was going to say five as well and change my mind at the last second. Ah. All right. So, next, we go back to our original order. Terry, Kevin Morales from Olympiacos. Good one. Nine million. Paul. 12 million. Thomas. I feel like, it, I don't know why I think this, I feel like it might have been a, a half. So I don't know. 
Well, I don't think it was 12. I really hope it wasn't, depending on what he became. I don't know, seven and a half million? Seven and a half million? Uh, price for Kevin Morales from Olympiacos is six million in August of 2012. Oh, oh, I am terrible at this. Like, I remember all these. <laughs> remember all these players signing, and the only one I've, I'm kicking myself for the Oviedo one, but I'm not remember any of these prices. I thought people. Right. I remember like a big deal being made when he first, like that first six months he was at Everton. I remember everyone being really excited. And, I thought it was like a big, big signing type thing. So. The thing is about all these players, obviously, I know who they all are, but as a child, these players kind of appeared. I didn't know what a transfer was, so like, I've got no <laughs> idea. Signing? Yellow Vitor Pereira. Yeah, Yellow Vitor Pereira. Yeah, Yellow Vitor Pereira. Yeah, Yellow Vitor Pereira. It was always the weak link of the team, and then we signed Morales, and he came in and he was class at first. And it was just so, so alien watching the attack go down the right hand side for the first time in like three years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to be honest, six million sounds about right because obviously the prices weren't hadn't gone up then, and you know we didn't spend a lot until a couple of years later. But yeah, it was he was seen as a decent signing at the time just because he was a Belgian international. All right, Paul. Stephen Pinar from uh, Spurs. And that was uh, 2012, July 2012. Four and a half million. No hesitation from Paulinho there. Uh, Thomas. Oh. <clears throat> Four million. And... I think Paul's got it right, so I'm just going to say 4.6 million, in case it's slightly over. Paul does have it right. Yeah, it I, was 4.5. Yeah, I remember we sold him for free and then bought him back. We sold him for 3 million because he ran his contract down, and then we bought him back for more than what we sold him for. All right. So, I believe uh, Thomas gets this next question first. Uh, by the way, it is 3 to 2 do nothing right now. Those are our scores. Not to be a jerk, Terry. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I right. genuinely uh, wanted to turn up to win this one because it was Moise's transfers, and I that was that I would that would have been my my um, subject of choice on Mastermind, but I'm clearly overconfident to my own abilities. <laughs> All right, so uh, Thomas Nikita Yelovich from Rangers. Six, six million. Okay. Terry? Six point five. Paul? Five point two five. Uh, you're all hovering around it. Um, 5.9 million in January 2012. So that's another one for Thomas. One more, and Thomas has got this. All right, so um, let's see here. Thomas answered that one first, correct? Yes. So Terry is first again. Uh, Darren Gibson 
Man United. Three million. Paul. I remember we got him very cheap. I'll go five hundred k. Thomas. One and a half million. Uh, we got Darren Gibson from Manchester United for five hundred and fifty thousand in January two thousand twelve. Yeah. So that is Paul. Yeah, fifty got that one. Fifty grand off. Yeah. I remember it was. I remember it was less than a million. It was very cheap because they were just desperate to get rid of him at the time. Okay, Paul, you were uh, on first for this one. Apostos Velios from Iraklis. 250,000. Okay, Thomas. I know for a fact it, it's somewhere around there, but whatever I say now, I'm just going to get called a schneid as I do usually. Um, 275,000. Terry. I've got no idea, so I'm just going to go 300k. You know, Terry, I thought you were going to be the schneidiest person ever and scoop this out from under, but you went the wrong way. <laughs> okay? Apostos Velios from Heracles signed for 270,000. In January, see, I'm two thousand eleven. Hard work. I people <laughs> You really did do the hard work, and you know what? Thomas is totally right. He, he, we are going to call him this night here. You know, <laughs> he has totally the worst earned the Liverpool at the top of his... That's that awful. Man. <laughs> So, I mean, I've got all these others, but I don't see the need to, to go through because we're we're finished. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure if I, so I should save them. A, not one of them family champion. <laughs> don't want to set them up. <laughs> uh, because I've got a lot of other names here, guys, but this has been a pretty long pod, so it could be we need to move on and possibly save the rest of these. But there are some other, some other good names on here. Um, but uh, congrats, Thomas. Well done. Gentlemen, uh, you know, Paul, I, I think you may have deserved a little more out of this. I am. Uh, so apologies. <laughs> and, and, and Terry, well, we know. We know what you bring to the table <laughs> normally, my friend. We know. <laughs> I can't believe it. I honestly thought this is this is a... Uh... This is my subject. So I'm going to blow these two guys away, and I suppose I did, but for the wrong reason. Like, <laughs> I thought I, I, I thought I genuinely thought Thomas will be too young, and Paul might be a problem. But I'll remember the further back ones more than he will, and it just didn't work like that at all. And then the Darren Gibson one, when it got said, I was like, "Yeah, of course it was. It wasn't even a million. Why? Where did I get three million from?" But Oh well, it's, I suppose it's the taking part that counts. I'm the Mark Hughes of this lineup, I suppose. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas is. Oh. It was taken away from me oh. unfairly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thomas is uh, is very strategic about these games, but also really lucky. Let's <laughs> let's so not true. let's not forget he is he is guessing some of these. I don't think I got any very little right. I don't think I got any right answers there. <laughs> I, I was fully relying on the closest answers possible. I rarely get them right. I do normally just go for the closest. The one we did with Edward, oh. and I was just. I think all my answers just happen to be the closest answers to the right answer. So. My luck will run out at some point. I, I want to get to the end of the year without losing, but after that, you know, I'm not that bothered after that. Oh, yeah. So let's, yeah, let's, so if you lose then, it doesn't matter to I, you. Is that what you're saying? Come back. You're like, I won't ah. come back on for the rest of 2019. I'll just, I'll, I'll retain myself <laughs> as 2019 Toffee Blues quiz champion. So I'll hold, I'll hold that title. All right. So, Thomas, what, uh, you know, your, your prize, and I'm sure these other guys had already, you oh, know, about had it. something prepped and ready. You know they were gonna pick thematically. You know, so Thomas, what are you what are you picking on um, this one? I've no thought. I would forget about this every week. Um, a little respect by Erasure. A little respect by who? Erasure. Question mark. Erasure. Yeah. So. Older people who I'm talking to right now, should I know what that is? I don't know what it is. <laughs> you don't know what it is either? No. Okay, Thomas. So give me a little bit of a clue as to what you have picked uh, and why. It's an absolute gay Ted anthem. That, that's pretty much the, the only reason I picked that song. I think it's like mid-90s disco rock, something like that. And it's like, yeah, it's just for some reason the song of gay Ted game, so it was the first song that came to me, so yeah. Mid '90s disco rock. When, when Jerry. Mid '90s is when Jerry was in high school. <laughs> Yeesh. Thomas was gonna start bollocks when you. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I didn't even say that. Like I was. Never mind the '90s. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I had already been driving a car by that point, so. <laughs> Every single time Thomas just rubs in this, these answers, and I'm like, "Yes, I get it. I'm old. You're not." I would say, well, I'm okay. only 17 at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So as we listen to a little respect by Razor, uh, it's time to end the Toffee Blues podcast. If you've been listening, we really appreciate it. Uh, throw us a throw us a subscription. Why don't you? Hey. Um, you know, subscribing equals good things. Uh, if you want Paul, check him out on Twitter. His d- details should be below. Um, he 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 bringeth the spicy takes. Um, yeah, he's he's got it. Uh, check out uh, check out Thomas. Does a lot of the the social media for the Toffee Blues. So if you see someone live tweeting or or saying stuff on Facebook during the match, it's a lot of times it's Thomas. I even turn up on the right? Instagram sometimes these days. I've absolutely monopolized hey. the social media. Hey, he's all over it. You want to know why? Because he's the young folk. <laughs> That's why. All right? Uh, yeah, I'm still on the Toffee Blues MySpace. That's, that's, that's what's going on with me. Uh, so, also, if you uh, if you want more Terry, check out uh, his Twitter. He'll let you know when and where he's going to be. Sometimes he shows up on the Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. Um, yeah, yeah. And remember, on the streets, hug the man. Hug the man. All right. So, uh, last thing, check out uh, check out Everton on. 
the Toffee Blues, or not check out Everton. <laughs> Who's ever editing this, edit that out. Check out the Toffee Blues website. Uh, lots of good uh, content on there from a lot of our, our fellow contributors. Uh, they, they bring a lot of good stuff there. Uh, check out the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All that kind of stuff. And uh, lastly, if you check down below, you should see a link or some information, maybe a code, question mark, where you could get a discount uh, on Everton gear. So if you're, if you're you know, going to be purchasing Everton gear for Christmas, that kind of thing, Everton's giving you discounts already. Everton Direct is. Throw the Toffee Blues code, Toffee Blues 5, on there for a double discount, a double dose of discount, alliteration, hey. Uh, so, yeah, helps you, helps Everton, helps us. It's just a thing you can do. Much love to everybody. Uh, thanks so much. Paul, good to see you again, my friend. Good to see you, Jerry. Anytime. All right. Terry, all right. Don't, don't, don't sweat it too much. It wasn't, it wasn't your best quiz, but it wasn't your worst one either, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It might have been your worst one. But it's okay. I'm trying to put David Moyes out of my mind at the minute, so. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the excuse. Yeah. I, I, I'm with that as an excuse. Let's do that. And Thomas, congratulations again, you lucky schneidy young man. I'm officially titling this, uh, this participation trophy the official top of this championship. It's not like I'm going to have to give it to anyone else, so I can just keep that on my desk there. Listen <laughs> to his <laughs> smack to banter. Football. I'll just keep that over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thomas, sometimes luck and schneid is all you need. All right, so, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, yeah, and hold tight. We're gonna we're gonna get this manager thing figured out. Maybe it'll be okay one day. Everybody out there, for these guys, uh, for me, later on, have a good one. Bye.